Hello listener, Matt here. Support Ben, read his ramblings, or find further notes on this show at securitized.com, spelled S-E-C-U-R-I-T-Y-Z-E-D.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. And I'm Raphael Fiedler. I'm Joey Police. And before we start the episode, just a pretty wild catch-up on our Musk scent. Um, I don't know if y'all have seen the footage or the photos, of the Tesla that went over a 250 foot cliff. Have you seen this? No, haven't heard of it. You need no, to look no, it up. Looking now. You need to look it up. I, I saw it yesterday online. I don't know if it occurred yesterday or the day before, but when I first saw someone posting about it, um, the line that they had along with the link was rescue op for 250 foot car plunge. And I said, even before I clicked the link, I said, uh, you don't call it a rescue op when you're going to get bodies. You call it a recovery op. Jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah. This so so really did they actually survive? All four people survived. Wow. Because they were they in were, a Tesla. They were in a Tesla. Wow. And and I'm 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 going to imagine the feelings and thoughts of the engineers at Tesla where. You really, really, really don't want to hear that one of your cars went over a 250-foot cliff with a family of four on board, two kids, two adults. But when you hear that they all survived, you're doing your happy dance and celebratory cheering, you know? Yeah, no kidding. Wow. Um, well, deep west that cliff. 250 feet, which no, is like 1,000 how... meters. Yeah, but how steep was it? Like, was it actually like... It looks almost ninety efforts. degrees. No, I'm I'm oh. I'm looking at the pictures right now, and according according to the news, this is saying that a Pasadena father intentionally drove off the Devil's Slide Cliff with his two children and wife in the car. Okay, so he's a, he's an asshole, but the engineers who manufactured a car where at least the kids and wife survived—that's that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Now, what I what I would say is like with the the difference between like an electric vehicle and an regular like with an engine in the front vehicle is that the point of gravity with electric vehicles, of course, is in the floor. So I could imagine that it like almost like in the in the cartoons, the car went uh, like goes over and then falls basically with the wheels to the bottom. And with a typical car, what would happen is it would tilt and the nose would dive down first. And so, like with so EVs, you're saying this is more like a pancake. <laughs> yeah, this is basically what I would say, and maybe that's also part of it. Like that, the force then, of course, goes up and not in front. You're not pushed into your seatbelts. You're like, I, I think, a little bit stumped, which is still bad. <laughs> but I think from the physics there, EVs basically work a little bit different there as well. And this was also the reason why I asked for the angle, because I know that uh, flipping an EV in tight corners or anything is very hard to do because the point of gravity is so low and much lower than... They're also way heavier than usual cars, um, uh, most of them, 
which is also a factor, but they don't tip as easily because of the weight. I is did not know that. That's pretty wild. Yeah. I, you know, I, I was raised on 1980s television where if a car goes over a cliff, it either explodes while it's going down the cliff or it explodes immediately subsequent to the camera <laughs> focusing it at the bottom of the cliff. Now, the, the, if you look at the photos, the car is totaled, obviously, and there's, you know, luggage and stuff is strewn all over the ground nearby. But the husk of the car, the frame of the car is intact. And oh. it just, I mean, it it's utterly fascinating to me that, that they pulled these people out. And as far as I know, the kids were released from the hospital after being treated for minor wounds that day. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so that I'm pretty impressed with that. That's that I, I call that a win for any automobile manufacturer. Um, all right, but that's not what we're gonna talk about today. That's just catching up on the musk scent. Today I want to talk about a topic of which I am utterly ignorant, so it's not all that different than other weeks. Um, <laughs> but the topic I want to talk about is music and I'm just going to give an example of music right now and see if anybody recognizes this song. And I'm not going to play the whole thing. This function is the wind. It takes two odds. The first is SEC. A pointer to a vector of 2048 unsigned bytes. Then on the encrypted disk sector and will be decrypted. The second. All right. Have, have, have any of you heard this song before? It sounds like a talent show at a high school. <laughs> it, it, it probably should. It's a very amateurish production. Uh, this particular song, and this is going to be interesting when I when I expound more upon it um, in terms of me stealing this song from the the author or the creator. Uh, this song is decess in song form. He's actually <laughs> singing the code to decess. Um. Uh, Rafti, are you familiar with DCS at all? Um, back in the 80s and 90s, the film and television industries created a, an encryption standard for DVDs called CES. And some smart person, I think it was a Scandinavian kid, um, uh, created a decryption program called DCS. And part of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, DMCA, that the US passed was that communication or sharing of decess is a felony. And a bunch of um, civil libertarians and free speech advocates and IT nerds found ways to communicate decess that would not be, if I don't know if it, I, maybe we just committed a felony, I don't even know. One of them was putting it into music and communicating it that way. Um, yeah. forcing, forcing prosecutors to choose between the First Amendment and the DMCA. Um, I, I think you did an episode with Robin way back about this, didn't you? About the DMCA, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, see, I, it, as you started talking about it, I'm like, I think I remember something from a former episode. <laughs> um, but that's not at all what I, I just, this was an example of a song, of music. And what mm -hmm. I want to talk about this week is my utter fascination with music as information. I know nothing about music. I am... No, I am the furthest thing from musically inclined, but uh, watching a recent show, uh, I don't know uh, if you guys have seen this or heard of it on Hulu. It's Only Murders in the Building, a great, terrific murder mystery show with Steve Martin and Martin Short and Selena Gomez. 
And the theme music throughout is so evocative and so powerful and such an indicator of mood and setting and accents the story itself helps tell the story. I was reminded again how I think music is magic. And I just, I don't know anything about it. And, and I really wanted to pick Matt's brain this week because Matt, you are a singer songwriter or you were, right? Yeah, in a former former life, yeah. <laughs> Before I got married and had kids and settled down into into the life of uh, nerddom that, uh, yeah, I guess you could say I I participated as a producer. Why is he backing uh, out I, of this so? No, 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 <laughs> let, let me say, I have listened to Matt's music. It's very good. It's very good. Well, I don't. I, I appreciate that, but I don't. <laughs> it was a long. I time listen ago. to it too, and and I try when I'm listening to it not to think of the picture of Matt wearing eyeshadow and uh, <laughs> black nail polish, because that just is disconcerting to me. The music is fine as its own thing. Um, is it on Spotify? It it's it, it's damn good music. And and please, Matt, at the end of the show, if you want to uh, uh, trade the bumper music for one of your songs, uh, I'm I'm all for that. Okay, we'll so, see. So the way I understand music, and this is what blows me away, because it's a lot like code. It is a lot like software. The creator has an idea in their mind. They're able to translate that into notes in, in this notation, this code, convey it to someone else, another musician or producer or whatever. That person can replicate what the creator had in mind and uh, make music, make this thing that another person had in their head. Mm -hmm. That's wild. That is so fucking cool. Yeah, you're talking about musical notation. You know, the, the, yes. the bars and the clefts and the bass and uh, yeah, the quarter notes, half notes, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's been around for eons. There's nothing magical about it. <laughs> it's just a way to notate, you know, how things should, should be played. It, you say that like writing is not magical either. Writing is <laughs> likewise magical. I mean, True. the idea that a writer can pull an idea out of their head and then implant it in somebody else's head. We're, this is mimetic theory. This is, you know, we were talking a little bit about William Gibson before the show. Um, my, my preferred is Neil Stevenson. And, you know, his idea in Snow Crash of the human brain just being a computer and the way you can implant memes in it and train it and get routines and shape reality. Um, I've always been fascinated by that. And I think music is very much like that because we've all had the sensation of the earworm where you hear something <laughs> and it sticks with you. We've all lived through musical viral, hyper viral memes. Um, Macarena, <laughs> I, you know, that's the one I was going to go to and I didn't want to, I wanted to pick another one because that one's uh, just so ugly and awkward and embarrassing. Uh, how old were uh, Rafti? Were you old enough to remember the Macarena? Yeah. 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 I even know the dance. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry that uh, yeah. we didn't mean to do that to you. That was unfair to do to a child, <laughs> but that is true. Uh, but uh, maybe just as a quick life hack, um, I learned, or at least for me, it works. <clears throat> like if you have a shorter clip of a of a tune that you know well, and you just think about that in your head, you can break the the, the earworm, earworm thing. Yeah, yeah. So what I do is the Intel startup sound. Um, this is dun, like dun, dun, dun. exactly, and <laughs> this usually breaks an earworm for you. Like mm -hmm. if that's you think pretty about cool. That, 
because it's not long enough that it can get an earworm itself. And so, but it's a tune. Yeah, exactly. So it's like overwriting or like uh, creating a runtime error where it's totally serious here. I mean, this is because this is something that is, and I will say music more than writing um, because, you know, I, I understand writing and I do writing, but music more than writing has the power to change your heartbeat, your respiration. It actually creates a physiognomic response, which writing rarely does. I mean, sometimes if you're reading something that's very beautiful, or if you're reading something that's frightening, you know, like a really good horror story, sometimes you'll, you'll, you know, you'll get that fear induced response. You're, you you know, you'll get the goose flesh standing up on your arms, Mm -hmm. but music can almost instantly rouse you. Uh, move you to action. Um, most people I know who work out, who exercise, like doing it to music yeah. more so than listening to a podcast or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You absolutely. all understand what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a there was a film that I watched called Score, S C O R E, and it's a documentary about how music impacts what we watch, and it's a brilliant documentary. Um, I, I don't know, if, I don't know where it's at right now, but anyone interested, go search all the platforms, but highly recommend it because it actually looks at, at, at movies like Indiana Jones, you know, when the, uh, uh, when he's getting chased in the first movie by as the, as soon as you say Indiana Jones, I hear, I can't sing, but you've got, dun, it, yeah. nah, you know, I, you know, I, I hear it in my head. Right, right. And just the impact that different music has. And then there there was an experiment that they did where they took different music and put it to different movies that you would never expect. And and you're like, no, it it just doesn't work. Right. (laughs) Or have you ever seen and and that sounds fascinating. I'd like to watch that document. Have you ever seen the footage of a film before it's finally produced where they're playing it, dialogue and everything without the score? It seems raw and awkward and clunky and really amateurish you know yeah 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 music informs uh how how a director or an editor wants you to feel during a certain piece of of film and that's why you can have happy music playing behind a really tragic scene and still come out of it and think oh this is i'm supposed to laugh during this or or this is funny or something like that instead of oh my gosh this is horrific what i'm watching on the screen right now yeah 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 go ahead Rafty? No, no, I, I was going to say, I was going to do it. I was going to do a shameless plug on my podcast. We did an episode of the greatest film scores ever. And Ooh. it's, it's, it's actually rated one of the, in, on my, on my uh, channel, the, 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 one of the highest downloaded uh, episodes, you know? And so, uh, do you remember what episode number it is or if they just, no, got... but I'll, I'll, I'll find it. And, and ladies and gentlemen, topic of choice is the name of the podcast. And I highly recommend it. Uh, Joey gets some great guests. Joey himself is kind of mediocre, but Joey gets some great guests <laughs> and gets them to really discuss the topic uh, ex- extremely well. That sounds fascinating. Yeah, and I would like to hear that. Rafty. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have two things to that. Um, I think we, we wrote about this in advance. Um, uh, because of the upbeat music with horrific things, this is sort of like when I see something like that. This is where I realize I I need to stop watching because they try to mess with me in a way that I don't like. Uh, and this was basically when I stopped watching Marvel movies because in the I think Guardians of the Galaxy two, when yes. the when the like yeah. uh, former leader of that sh- uh, crew basically kills every one of his former crewmates, and it's an upbeat music, and you're like, and they're like. Uh, bodies falling down from the decks oh, above. Oh, Yondu. Like, 
Yeah. What am I watching? Why is this music so happy? What is happening? This is horrible. Like he's killing his former friends. Like this is horrible. And and I think Ben, you had a great great counter to that. They were were mutineers. Let's exactly. You know. (laughs) Uh, But still, this is horrible. I do understand. I do understand what Rafi was saying. I mean, this was a sequence of mass murder played for comedy. Yeah. now, I will say that that juxtaposition, and I think Matt kind of hinted at this, that juxtaposition, when you put the happy music in, can make the scene more discordant and uncomfortable on purpose, which conveys the horror. And I think about Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs, where Mr. White, Michael Madsen, is hacking off the ear of the cop. And, and I really like that sequence for several reasons. One, you don't see it. <laughs> the camera pans away and looks at the wall, and all you do is hear it. So the violence is taking place off screen. And the music playing is uh, uh, Steeler's Wheel. Um, uh, what's the what's the song? I can picture the scene, but I can't play. I can't give uh, you the name. Stuck in the Middle with You. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, a, a you know, that, that bouncy, you know, poppy kind of song. And it gives so much counterpoint to the horror that's happening in the sequence that I think it makes it more jarring. You you, you see what I'm saying there, Roth? Have you seen the movie at all? I think I did. But I think this is different to the to the Marvel thing. This was oh, much in- different. Much different. Yeah. Because you weren't supposed to be enjoying that sequence. And I think he used it very effectively there. I think that was a, a really good use of of the counterpoint. Um all right, so Matt, I have a lot of questions about this music stuff. If okay. someone's writing a song, and I'm not just saying, you know, here's the lyrics and sing this, but there's many different instruments that have to come into play quite often in, in many of these scores. Mm-hmm. You write on this notation, and I've been taught musical notation like three or four times in school, and I still don't fucking get it, but you've got that sheet which is your, you know, your operating system, and you know what the notes are going to be. Do you have to write the notes on multiple sheets for each different instrument for them to follow how they're going to play that portion of that song? Uh, you're getting into orchestration, which is something I've never really done. And because when I would do orchestral composition, we did it all with MIDI. Which is a whole other. It's 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 basically a computerized way to do notation that has a lot more uh, flexibility than than traditional music notation does, and and yes, you you do do separate notation for each instrument as you add instruments into the the, the, the composition. Yeah, each so of them. It's gonna be like different books. This is the book for yeah. guitar. This is the book for right. drums. This right. is the, okay, right. okay. That that makes you know, I, to me again that makes the work of a composer so much more uh, impressive than the work of a novelist. Even if a novelist writes 800 page book, it's a book, but the composer has to hear all those different things and space them out accordingly. And they all have to be in the right place for them. All those things to congeal together and come come together. Yeah. Cause you'll have swells, you'll have quiet parts, you know, maybe the flutes come in here, but the violins don't come in until this other part and everybody is yeah, playing different, you know, they're they're playing in the same key or in the same chord, but they're not playing the same notes in particular. And I do want to add, Joey can speak very, very well on, on music as well. 
don't don't <laughs> let's not leave Joey out because he he actually knows how to play guitar, which is a, a talent that I don't have. I've never I I, I played synthesizers and, and I'm a button master. Oh, oh so you you <laughs> wanted to get into music, but you didn't want to get laid. Is it is that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't understand this. This is I thought that was the only perfect purpose to know music. I'm debating whether to say no comment or I wasn't having any problems in that department to begin okay. with, so I didn't okay. need the guitar as a okay. as a tool. <laughs> I see. Joey, I didn't know that you were musically inclined. You can read and write music? No, I, I do I I play by ear. I play piano okay. by ear and I play guitar by ear. Um are you self taught? I am self-taught. Yes. The rule was, so here was the deal that my, my, my mom had a, I have two brothers and I'm the middle of two. And as we were uh, growing up, we, it was mandatory to take piano lessons at that time. And, and I, I would put myself at about 11, 12 years old. And so uh, we had to take one year just to get a foundation. And uh, so after one year, um, I, I liked it, but I told my mother, I said, I, I don't want to take any more lessons. I had a piano teacher that was really strict. You had to keep your hands in a certain position. And if they would go down, my piano teacher had a pencil and she and would, would wrap poke, your knuckles. And no, she would poke on um, the palm of my hand, jab them to get my hands. <laughs> yeah. And so Rafti, you, you seem to be familiar with this too. Do, are you, are you part of the Academy as well? You've, you've gone through the music pain. No, no, but my wife is. And so I know. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the deal was, uh, hey, I will continue to play as long as I don't have to take lessons. And so she was like, okay. And so from there on, I, I kind of taught myself. And then when I went to uh, uh, college and did my undergrad, I obviously couldn't take a piano with me and I didn't have like keyboards. And so uh, I got a guitar at the local guitar shop and taught myself how to play three chords, the famous G, C, and D, and off we went. <laughs> Holy crap. See, this, this impresses the hell out of me. This, honestly, there are, there are aspects of humanity, of the human experience, of which I am completely ignorant. And, and this is one of them that's really important and big, and yet I have, you know, no entree into it. And anyone who shows any of this talent or capability, to me, seems like a wizard. I mean, that, 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 is, that is really impressive. Well What's really neat is Matt. Matt won't ever tell you this, but but his level of technical expertise in uh, sound and audio is is actually I mean it's very impressive. Um, uh, from from the early days of MIDI's, I, I remember you remember downloading MIDI files, you know, for 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 tunes or whatever. Whether you did a <laughs> yeah, Windows I had that wave on. player, that really cool modular one where you could click on the different things and move it, and had the graphic <laughs> equalizer that I didn't know what it did, but you could make it do stuff. You, yeah, it would play like a Van Halen song in a MIDI Winamp. format. Right? Winamp was, was the one. Winamp. Winamp. I love Winamp. Yeah. Winamp was it was MP3, but yeah. Okay. Well, I but, still but like that. I, 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 I only say that, you know, Matt, Matt's got a very deep uh, knowledge of sound and audio. and uh, I know. That's why I wanted yeah. him on the show. This was this was crucial to me. Uh, Rafti has a great question. Can we talk about the difference between chords and notes? Uh, yes. Talk about the difference between chords and notes, because I have no clue. One of you. Well, well, a note is just a single note. Like, right. You know, like uh, the, uh, oh, the, the, the definition the is just a dot defining thing. <laughs> well, like the the uh, <laughs> under under redundancy, redundant. Um, like the the, uh, the 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 Intel theme, uh, the four those four notes, dun, 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 those are notes that four distinct notes, ping, 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 ping. 
a chord is a collection of several notes being played together in a certain key to provide either a, a feeling or a bed or something like that both beneath or in conjunction with the individual notes. That's a much better definition. So like what I, wanted, guitar, with, yeah. I was going to say with guitars, you almost always learn chords, whereas with synthesizers or keyboards, you almost always learn notes, although you do do chords on uh, pianos and stuff like that. That's what the left hand is playing while the right hand is playing the notes. So, so let me ask you this and you tell me whether I I'm getting the idea or not on a guitar. You could play notes if you're plucking the strings, but mm -hmm. mostly you play chords because you're strumming the strings. Well, it depends. It depends on the style. So if you look at, um, uh, for example, I was going to say slash. If you think about the the right. intro to uh, Sweet Child of Mine, da, 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 those are notes on a guitar. But he's but whenever... plucking each string individually, right? Individually, to, correct. To create the note. And when you strum, you're hitting all the strings with your fingers in a certain place, and that's a chord, right? right. That is correct. Yes. Okay. So the Good. rhythm. Now I know music. Player, so in, in in a traditional like a four piece band where you have uh, uh, lead guitar, rhythm guitar, drum, and bass, lead guitar is playing notes, rhythm guitar is playing chords. It's usually plays notes as well. Thank you. That's really good. All right, I'm learning stuff. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And what I wanted to say is there, or which topic because you were drawing lines between code and note and like music was like the idea that the one is based on the other and it's like the progression of how uh, like languages and code sort of like build upon each other to a certain degree and how you can run c code in go for instance and so you can um have go code with c in it and basically like a chord is built up of different like um, notes you can have in your code base a combination of different code sets and have like the notes being one language and then you actually play a different one or like that regard that's okay. very deep okay yeah. <laughs> I've, I've got a little piece of of what i call matthew snotty knowledge here that i don't know if matt even knows this so <laughs> nbc has the peacock right yeah and you know how the tone dun 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 well yeah. those notes are g uh e and c who, if you go way back, General NBC Electric was owned by the General Electric Company, and so those those three notes. Did you know that, Matt? Uh, I, it seems like I may have heard that, but I I, I would certainly never be, be able to pull that up out of anything. No. <laughs> Even if that's not true, I really like that story. That's right. <laughs> I like that a lot. That's pretty cool, and that's one of those distinctive. Um, you know, talk about intellectual property. It's one of those distinctive trademarked pieces of sound. Um, you can't trademark many pieces of sound, but you can if they're indicative. We mentioned the Intel chime, Netflix, dun dun. You know, a, a lot of those things are brand identified and they're created for that purpose. And I would imagine that as a music maker, a creator of music, those are harder to make than a full song. Just the way that a short story is much, much harder to create. A good one is harder to create than a novel. Because with a novel, you can have entire chapters that are bullshit and nonsensical and useless. Whereas in a short story, every word has to count. And when you have a, just a trademark snippet, each note in and of itself is, is so important. And there's a limited amount of three-note memes. Yeah, Joey? Question. 
how does Shazam work then? <laughs> You're no, talking about the that, app that listens to music. Math. Yes. That's yes. math, isn't it? I mean, and, and Matt, you correct me if I'm wrong. Shazam's the music identifying one. It just takes in the mathematical expression that's the sound, spreads that out across all the known registered pieces of music and looks for pattern matching, right? That's all it is? Right, right. It's, it's pattern matching. It's, a, it's equivalent to looking for a hash in a, in a, in a hash library, for instance. Uh, it takes, you know, whatever the unique fingerprint the identifier is of the music, um, and it compares it against its entire library. So yeah, it's 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 not super mystical, although it is very impressive. I remember when Shazam came out, and you could hold it up, you know, and anywhere you were in a restaurant, in a bar, something like that, and, and instantly find out what the what the song was that was playing. But yeah, it's which it's is just cool as hell. And, and oh, I, I know, still use it. Yeah, and I know the music industry uses similar algorithms online where they're constantly having their spiders go out and find stuff that is copyrighted and send takedown notices automatically based on, on detecting any of those things. Yep. Um, if you've ever uploaded a YouTube video, I have uh, the 1992 basic cadet training video from the Air Force Academy that I had on VHS that I uploaded to YouTube years ago. Wildly popular, but it's full of copyrighted music. And there are, uh, it's like an hour long video and there are huge swaths and sections of it that are muted out because of the copyrighted music. And, and I remember getting the notice from YouTube years later when they finally started implementing uh, their, their trademark um, uh, looking algorithm. And they sent me a, a thing and said, okay, we're, we're either, either you can take it down or we're muting out these sections. And I was like, all right, just leave it up and mute them out, I guess. <laughs> I, I think now legally you have to keep it under 15 seconds. As long as I've you... heard, I've heard, I've heard that over and over and over again. I don't know where that idea came from. the The actual Supreme Court decisions that have worked in the idea of intellectual property is, as long as you're not undermining or realizing the core element of the work. So there have been bands who have lost lawsuits because they were using like just two or three second loops of of other artists' material and they got sued and lost because they were taking something that was fundamental to that piece of that, to that song. So yeah, no, there, there is no particular uh, length. Sorry, go ahead, Matt. Well, no, I was gonna say what you're talking about is sampling, which is a, a thing that's gotten big. And so you're basically creating- Same concept, same concept in, in what's well, known as fair use. Ver yeah, versus fair use where you're, yeah, if you're just commenting on something in a YouTube video versus building an entire song, for instance, on the structure of uh, Rick James's Super Freak, which is exactly what MC Hammer did when he did You Can't Touch This. <laughs> he ripped off the entire song and just put new lyrics over it. Then obviously, yeah, that was derivative and, and he owed Rick James money. And the funny thing is about fair use is that critique, which you just said, is uh, a legitimate um, form of fair use. So if we were to play a song and critique it and discuss its meaning and its, you know, uh, its merit academically, then we are allowed to do that. We are allowed to rebroadcast the song and YouTube would be misapplying copyright law to suspend us from doing that. Um, but all too they, often, they, would, they would still suspend you. <laughs> you would just have to argue that you were doing correct. fair use. And, and 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 they are, as Matt has you know mentioned a couple of times in the past few weeks, they're a private platform. And if they choose not to let you use their fair, you know, your content 
on their platform, they can do that, even though legally you would be protected from lawsuits because that would be fair use. And then there's other forms of fair use, such as parody. You know, Weird Al has made an entire career about defending against lawsuits uh, from artists that um, he's mimicked. And, and now I think it's just a badge of honor to be parodied by Weird Al. Yeah, it's um, like being insulted by Don Rickles. Although Weird Al famously always sought out consent and permission from the artists that he was parodying. I'm and, sure. And, 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 and did not re release songs. He has unreleased songs that uh, the uh, artists refused to give consent to. And, and, so, I'm, and I'm fairly confident that the lawsuits are just a, a, a promotional effort, you know, that, that it, it's another way to draw attention both to the original artist and to Weird Al's version. I, that's my guess. Right, right. I didn't know this. I was listening to a Johnny Cash song um, this this past year, which and it was a, it's a great song. And I didn't know that he rebranded it from Nine Inch Nails. Hurt. Yep. Yeah. Hurt. Oh, yeah. That's and a I, great version of it, too. Well, yeah. I, I don't know. Matt, you might be able to answer this. I, I don't know if Johnny Cash put it more on the map than Nine Inch Nails did. He you did. Know, yeah, but... he, he made it much more. My, my mother called me up one day and had listened to the Johnny Cash version. Now, I was a huge Nine Inch Nails fan back in yep. college. So I was I, I knew it from when it was originally released. And I told my mom, yeah, that's a Nine Inch Nails song. <laughs> and she was like, what? No, it's not. It's a Johnny Cash song. But yeah, Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails has gone on record, has publicly said, this is Johnny Cash's song now. Uh, he He's done things with it that, that I could never do. And it's gotten a much wider audience through him. Yeah, so I don't know how all the the legalities work. If he had to get consent, and then you well, know. yeah, that's interesting because that's actually getting into the nature of music publishing. So uh, uh, because he re-recorded it, he owed the publisher royalties from any money that he made on it, but he was fully allowed to re-record it. And, and in fact, country artists, uh, which Johnny Cash is one, that's a very common thing. Uh, that, that, and that's also part of why in the music industry, you want to own your publishing, which famously Taylor Swift just recently um, had a lot of issues with her uh, previous label because they owned all the publishing for all of her songs that she wrote but she did it under their label, so they owned all that publishing. And so she could not re-record those songs or uh, or, or uh, uh, basically re-broadcast re them, or, or I don't know how I would say this, but even though they were technically her songs. Well, they're not technically her songs. They were a work for hire, and they belong to the person <laughs> who hired. I mean, right. it, 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 this, is, this is how intellectual property works. You've right. sold right. the rights to the thing. Um, and, and I think... And I, I don't know this part of it, but I think you can perform the songs, but then you immediately have to pay a certain, they have a price structure that the industry has created. You have to pay that to, to somebody else. Um, when the Smithereens came to the Air Force Academy to do a concert, there were, one of their encores was uh, The Who's The Seeker, um, mm -hmm. which they just kind of did extemporaneously. And and I'm sure, you know, they had to throw a, a couple of bucks to Pete Townsend or something like that. Um <laughs> Uh, all right, but I, going back more as music as information, um, uh, I saw an interview one time with uh, what? What's the name of the 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 famous performer composer Marsalis? Winston, is it Winston Marsalis? Yeah, Winston Marsalis. Yeah, part of the Marsalis family. They all do jazz and stuff like that. Yeah, they're all really good, evidently, mm -hmm. at what they do. Right? I think Branford's another one. Right? But I, I think mm -hmm. it was. Yeah. I think the interview I saw was with Winston, and. Or Winton. He, it may not be an S. Is it Winton? Is it Winton? I, I can't remember. He was uh, uh, Jay Leno's 
band leader yes, for a while. Correct. Correct. Um, and and I don't I don't mean to denigrate, and I'm sorry I don't know the name, but the the interview is fascinating. He does a lot of advocacy for music for young people. He goes to schools a lot, works with school kids, and he tries to promote understanding of music because he feels he believes that the more engaged with music people are, the more in tune with their own feelings, the more they're able to communicate with other people. And and I can see kind of that, especially when we talk about the mimetic properties. And he says one of the ways he teaches, um, because learning music can be challenging. I know because I've tried and I suck at it. Uh, he says he conveys it as math. And the minute he said that in the interview, I'm like, oh, because if there's one thing school kids are less afraid of music is, it, it'd be math. <laughs> you know? But he says, he says, if you can count, you can do music because mm -hmm. it's all just putting the notes together in a certain frame at a certain timing. And it's I just, disagree. you know, okay. All right. And, and that's what I wanted to ask the two of you, please. I disagree. I, I think, I think, yes. Um, from a scientific level and from a theoretical level, yes. If you understand math, then you can understand music. But I don't think that you have the ability to create music from an artistic standpoint. I really think that you, and I'm not. I'm not saying that anyone that that is mathematically inclined can't do this. What I'm. What I am saying is, it's not that simple. That's like, in my opinion, saying here are paints and here are paint brushes and here's a canvas these colors go well together create and and, and i just don't yeah. think it works that way right right yeah but i think i think what ben's kind of getting at is math is the fundamental part of music the, the creativity is the whole other level yeah you can't just yeah. create the mona lisa because you have the bob ross paint set um but yeah it's like uh, you know four four time three four time you know four four is the standard time yeah yeah all you're doing is hitting hitting uh repeating four beats and then how those notes arrange within those beats is uh, is where the math comes in that's why why you get into quarter notes half notes you know eighth notes stuff like that because it all has to add up to a beat to be on time and then you start stringing those together and then you start repeating them and stuff like that and then yeah you all of a sudden next thing you know you've got the bed for a song and i think it's much more akin to language as you were saying earlier as well like with code and code is sort of like we sp speak about like programming languages for a reason because there are rules there and with music there are rules as well you can put like it, sonically it sounds very very bad if you put uh certain notes after each other and so you have to know which notes go after each other or can go after each other there are rules there uh, that was, was like going to be my next question though and, and and i think this is kind of important the punk or anti-music movement have tried very discordant sounds, you know, jumbling stuff that aren't normal progression. Mm -hmm. And there are people who like that. There are people who like jazz, which mm -hmm. to me sounds like a fucking <laughs> mess. I, it, it really makes me uncomfortable. Um, typically chess, yes. it, like it is still like with those rules, they stick to those rules. Typically yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. They do way more shifts between like keys. We were talking about keys earlier uh and they do stuff like that and like mixing rhythms maybe as well but you can all do all of that but there are certain rules which you need to follow because matt was talking about like the four four this is tact so sort of like a beat um you can say as well it's not necessarily have to be a beat but it's like 
Um, and you can change that within a song and stuff like that, but you can't do it villainily whenever you want and however you want. So there are rules to that. Um, and that's yeah. Yeah. Jazz is, is, is more akin to poetry. I would say it's, it's very <laughs> much like, you know, an economy of, of, uh, of notes and chords and progressions and things like that. And I forget who the jazz artist is who famously said it. I think it was, um, Oh shoot. Miles Dave, Miles Davis. Yeah. Uh, who said it's not it's not about the notes that I play it's about the notes that I don't play uh, because you know he's making active choices while he's performing something live um, or John Coltrane maybe said said that I, I do actually own a few jazz albums that I enjoy uh, but I'm not a, a huge jazz aficionado but but to your point Ben about the punk um, punk is interesting because they actually do fo still follow some of the basic rules of music uh, in particular, like the four, four time and stuff like that. It's not just a random jumble, jumble of noise. They do still keep time. They do still follow chord progressions and stuff like that. But yeah, they, they, they are trying to break some of the other rules with regards to music, especially the rules of like pop music, where you do have uh, a, a very well-known and expected progression of notes or of a chord or, uh, you know, a, a, a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, you know, type structure. That's where the punk aesthetic kind of comes in. And also punk also just came out of people just wanting to make sounds without being classically trained in guitar, piano, drums, stuff like that. All right. So let me ask you this. If there is rules and, you know, I think of it as syntax mm -hmm. um, or the language of code, uh, why do those rules exist in why do our brains only accept as pleasurable or or qualified um certain structured notes in certain time frames why is that why isn't there a random set of chords or notes or timing that we still like why why is it that we want that uniformity i mean creativity in the uniformity of the rules well, I would uh, I would flip the question back around to you, Ben, as an author, because there are also rules in certain parts of, for instance, English syntax, such as there's a famous one where they talk about, well, it's, it's not that famous, I guess, where they talk about how when in English we describe something, um, the, the, uh, if, it's, if, it's, if it says three different adjectives about something that, that we string together, for instance, uh, the woman is tall, blonde, and skinny. We never say the woman is skinny, blonde, and tall. We always say tall, blonde, and skinny. We 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 go for certain a certain uh, order of descriptors in the, in the English language just because it's aesthetically pleasing, and it's just come out of the way that uh, the structure of language has happened over time. It's the same way with music. It's our little lizard brains that started drumming in circles and caves and and around fires on the savannas that certain things just all of a sudden just just clicked, and it just became natural to want them to be that way. Hmm. Which. It's very interesting, maybe another topic, but um, like my brother yesterday uh, sent me in uh, a text, which he translated from German to English using an online tool. And some of the structure, exactly what Matt was saying was like very weird. And I'm like, you should switch this around, just switch it around. It works. It's technically correct. Everybody will understand what you meant, but it's, it, it just doesn't sounds, feel right. Yeah, it sounds so weird. It's... <laughs> Everybody will understand, but it does not feel right. Um, yeah, I think I think Rafti's right. I, I think uh, you know Matt and I have fundamental differences in this aspect. I think it's how we were designed. I think it's how how we are programmed to 
um, listen, receive, and create. I, I'm with you. I, I really think that there is something hardwired into our neurons where certain patterns are aesthetically pleasing and others are really grating and um, unnerving. I mean, you, 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 they can really make you upset. Um, go ahead. Which, as your point was, like sometimes you actually want that. Sometimes for a horror movie or something, you want that. So you use it in for the specific reason as well. Um, maybe to 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 go to a different point, there are two things. I uh, From the beginning you started, I wanted to say that there is a movie called The Sound of Music. And I think we talked about this. It's, oh, it's yes. One of the music. It's got Australians in it. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the it's one of the I have never seen it, but um what, what the hell, Rafty? Put on your later hosen and your <laughs> But because like Austria has a very long history like with music. And I wanted to point out that Mozart, an Austrian famous for music, um actually was I think it was my wife would kill me for, uh, because I don't know this, but one of those famous Austrian musicians, and I think it was Mozart. Um, he actually was considered uh, sort of a punk for his time as well. Maybe it was somebody else. But because how he sort of like structured his music differently to what was like um, like typical for that time. Uh, I, I think they made that point stuff. in the film Amadeus. I think I think that was one of the themes there. Is it that he the was breaking... Well. You're in <laughs> Sorry. You are just, you're culturally bereft, Rafty. Um uh, th they make a point that he is breaking with convention and, yeah. and like, like when he needs to make a pot boiler, uh, you know, he's low on funds and he just goes and does the, 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 the contemporary version of pop music for him was the magic flute, yeah. you know, which today we, you know, kind of recognize as this, you know, really important part of classical music for him at the time, it was like doing Taylor Swift. It was playing to the <laughs> masses, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, See, I, I have seen live performances of the magic flute, like, or the different chapters. I thought it, you were going to say Taylor years. Swift. No, 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 no. I have not <laughs> seen Taylor, Taylor Swift. Swift. It's a great show. I believe it. I believe it. I, 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 one of the finest concerts I've ever experienced was Weird Al. Three hours oh. long, him on a stage and about 17 costume changes and running through the audience and engaged. It was amazing. Very cool. Very yeah. Cool. No, yeah. but what I wanted to make the point I wanted to make was like that, um, as you said, like, and you made it very good. Like the point for me was, um, that we now looking back, um, and I mean, you're saying like the magic flute was the Taylor Swift song from him, but like other stuff, we look back, we don't consider strange anymore. And so this, of course, changes over time and i think dubstep for instance when it came out was very weird and people did not like it and i think it got more and more into the mainstream now as well and maybe it's fading out again but like there has been a time when you like like at least around here when you listen to the radio which i typically don't um there was dubstep music on the radio and i'm like what is what is wrong here of course not the very like hard one but like Mild dubstep, and I was very like <laughs> confused about it. Yeah, you can um, say so the same thing about a lot of genres. Of, yeah, a lot of genres of music uh, became became popular because they were so different. Um, you know, country and western all of a sudden became rockabilly, and and then it became rock and roll. 
And and that was a huge shift in the way people listen to music at that point. Matt, well, and, and even even Matt, when we drive together, you know, Matt's version of country and my version of country are two totally different aspects. Matt Matt doesn't even call my country country. <laughs> <laughs> I do I do like me some Waylon Jennings. <laughs> but I also like Chris Stapleton. But uh, but yeah, Joey listens to the uh, Florida Georgia line, and uh, yeah. yeah. So so I have I have to ask this of Matt and Joey as parents, and eventually Rafty as parents. The the music of our parents sometimes we appreciate it as golden oldies, mm-hmm. but but does each generation seek out music that is purposefully different enough to be jarring and discordant to their elders and and it it almost throws a panic into each successive generation you know if if at one time elvis was seen to a threat of the morals of an entire america then you know you know what i'm saying i mean every every generation we seem to blame the new music for all the social ills you know what i'm talking about i remember when beastie boys uh were the worst thing ever to be on the radio and now nwa (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and then NWA, oh. gangster rap, all that kind of stuff. Sure, and 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 nowadays, what I listen to, my my youngest daughter listens to this uh, Korean pop band called uh, Blackpink, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I cannot stand to listen to this stuff. How do you sit here and listen to this for hours and hours? I mean, there's a couple of catchy parts to it, but I'm like, this is not my music. And that's when I start reverting back to I'll I'll pull up Hollow Notes or or David Bowie or Queen or something like that. I'm like, this yes. is music, and I feel like yes. such an old man to to say that to my kids. But I'm yeah. like, this is good stuff too. And you're torturing yeah. them with it. They yeah. really don't want to hear it, yeah. right? No, th- well. I, I'm I'm happy to say that my younger two, uh, my 13-year-old, my 11-year-old, love 80s and 90s music because I play a lot of it in the truck, mm-hmm. and they enjoy that. But to Matt's point, I remember I was I was probably 12. I don't even know when the song came out. Huey Lewis in the News, I Want a New Drug. And I remember my grandfather yelling at me, what kind of crap music, want a drug, drugs, drug, you know, go. And I'm like, it's. I, I couldn't comprehend it, but now as a father, right, I'm listening to this music that this generation is listening like, to. Cardi B, WAP. Right. Thank you, Matt. You took the words right out of my mouth. First time I heard WAP. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I have listened to WAP very loudly in my car and, and absolutely thrown down with it, but I will not listen to it with my kids because I'm like, but they 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 love it for a different reason than I love it. And we cannot sit in the same space and listen to the the explicit version of WAP together and enjoy it together. All right. Rafti has a question he wants to ask all of us. Go ahead, Rafti. So um, this is an interesting one, especially because we're like we were talking about music, which, of course, is different to to um, writing uh, in as how you consume it one you read and the other one you listen to and I think an interesting question would be like uh, I got asked this um, if or like I, I wear glasses two of us wear glasses and I got asked if I would rather lose my eyesight or my hearing and I think it's very interesting what people and of course I, I wish none of you to lose any of those senses but hearing yeah, you would rather lose hearing. I, okay. I would. I would not be able to survive with my, with my eyes. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For me, it would be. For me, it would be eyesight. I love hearing stuff. I'm a very auditive person, 
And I think most people would say hearing first, but I, I'm just curious. Um, that's the reason because we're talking about music and listening to stuff. Well, uh, yeah, gosh, that's an impossible question to answer because <laughs> as someone who I drives, just did. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah, for, your, for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, but famously, yeah, for Beethoven lost his hearing and still composed and was still able to compose great works of music without hearing, just working off of the memory of what he knew notes would sound like, what instruments would sound like, and what movements and things like that would sound like. So, so from that perspective, yeah, he was, you know, it's, it's certainly possible to be a music lover and lose your hearing and still love music. Just, just because you can't hear new music doesn't mean you can't still love it. Joey, what do you think? It's, it's, would you rather burn? Would you rather freeze? Would you rather drown? I mean, all, <laughs> it's all terrible. Um, but, but, um, I think if you know being put on the put on the uh, the spot here, I, I want to keep my sight because I'm a visual person, and like Matt's saying, I think that there's still creativity that can come from that. But um, yeah, I'm I'm more visual than anything. Well, yeah, but and also I think we're we're missing the big picture here. You can drive a car and go buy groceries if you're <laughs> deaf. Yep. You if don't have a vision. lot of blind drivers. That's just, sure. it's so much more limiting, you know? Al Pacino but, would, yeah. would, 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 uh, uh, would, <laughs> would yeah, yeah, I would argue. How'd you go full circle now? Um, when you were talking about your Musk scent earlier, um, I thought you were talking about the, the story of, uh, of that guy sleeping in his Tesla while having a weight on his steering wheel so that the autopilot thinks that he's there. What? what? Uh, he did this? Did and he apparently, I hope he crashed. No, 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 no. Police actually, as far as I can tell from that story, like they drove next to him for 15 minutes until he woke up and then he pulled over. <laughs> I've seen videos of people and Tesla's changed their, their algorithm for the self-driving, but early Tesla's, yeah, you could completely take a 30 minute nap, never touch the steering wheel and it would still drive itself just fine. Yeah, see, so... Like who needs who needs eyesight for driving? <laughs> <laughs> I don't call that driving. That's being a passenger <laughs> and letting the AI do the work. You know, it's it's like putting a plane in full trim. It'll fly itself in a straight line pretty good. Who was that golfer who died when yeah. they lost all the oxygen? And yeah. the plane plane flew itself to Montana or some shit. Yep, until it <laughs> ran out of gas. Till it ran out of gas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, one final thing. And, and again, I find this fascinating. You're talking about reading and uh, Joey, you said you don't read music. You taught, taught yourself. There's a famous story and I forget who the writer was, but some famous writer of music from the old Tin Pan Alley days, old, old turn of the century kind of stuff. I think it was Irving Berlin, where he did not read and write music, but created hundreds, if not thousands of songs over the years. They had a kid they would hire. He would say bippity boppity boop bippity boppity, and the kid would write it out in music, and they'd go and sell the sheet music to the to the you know the distributors of the companies that wanted to buy songs. Dolly, uh, had you heard of this? What's that? Do Dolly Parton's the exact same way. Dolly Parton, as famous as she is, cannot read or write music. No shit. No shit. Yep. Wow. And 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 she's written. I mean, she wrote "I Will Always Love You" for crying out loud. She's written hundreds of songs, songs for other people. And she, yeah, she does the same thing. She she either plays it herself and someone notates it for her, or yeah, she'll just sing it and they'll notate it and then uh, they create the music from it. 
Wow. Wow. I mean, I, that, so, yeah, <laughs> it's not a prerequisite to, to understand notation by any means to get into music. No. That absolutely blows me. I mean, if there's anyone who's a master of the art, it's Dolly Parton. I mean, yep. wow. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. That that really <laughs> so I am no for you, less ben. I am no less mystified and appreciative. The, this again, it seems like uh it seems like magic to me. I, I cannot fathom it at all. And I am I'm totally impressed by those who can. How long did it take you to teach yourself guitar, Joey? Um, to, to get the basics, everything from strumming to, to chords to where I could really enjoy it, probably six months. And how many hours per day? An hour easily to two hours a day. And was that very regular? Was it daily or did you, you know, a couple of no, times a it, week? It was daily. And I would find myself sitting on my couch in my dorm, you know, just coming back from class, you'd pick up the guitar, but, but I enjoyed it. So it was, it wasn't a chore. It was okay. I, I want to get better with my fingering. I want to get better with my progression or I want to get better with my strumming and timing. Um, and while TV, the TV was on, I would just turn it down and play while I would watch something. It was, it was, and, and then it just became second nature. And, uh, and, and I didn't, I don't know if I shared with you, but it continued on. I, I played in bars for years um me and another guy we did an acoustic set for probably seven eight years together all around all, all around the two cities you made money or at least you not know, a lot but yeah <laughs> covered yeah. expenses there you go there you go okay we'll save that for another episode okay do you still play i do my guitar's right back here yeah pick it up pick it up pick it up strum us a few guitar? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Play us a note it. or a bar or a measure or whatever the hell they're called. Joe's I, doing the typical, no, no, guys, no, really, no, I can't, as he's picking it up. No, I can't play, no. <laughs> we can't hear record. it. We can't hear, hear it? it? No. Nah, don't worry yeah. about it. Don't yeah. worry about it. Then I, Joey, but... play something, supposedly. <laughs> but I have a question then, Joey. So you got like forced to learn piano for a year. Like, would you say no? Did I understand this incorrect? Okay. Oh, but no, I would. I'm so, sorry, right, Rafi? No, I'm sorry. I, I, was, I was shaking my head, but at, at Joey because he's still trying Only to play. Because yeah, we guitar. can't hear the music. Yeah. It's okay. Oh, go ahead, Rafi. Okay. What was your question? <laughs> Please, go ahead. I was asking you as as a kid uh, how you got into or like were like pushed into music a bit. Uh, how do you do it with your kids and do they play an instrument? Would you, how would you go about doing it? Like if I, as a parent want to get my kids to, to sort of like learn music and my son has already puked over our piano twice. Uh, so, I mean, he's not even half a year old yet, but my wife is like, because she plays and then she, he's sitting on her lap and she's like, <laughs> doing well, that's things. A great it's a great question. So I did not force, we did not force any of our kids to do piano lessons. We offered it. And my middle daughter, uh, when she was nine or 10, took one full year of piano lessons. Didn't really want to, didn't, it didn't take, and that's fine. Um, but this past year, she got into Metallica, Guns N' Roses, Van Halen. And so for Christmas, uh, she got a brand new electric guitar. And she has been playing every single day she loves it but hard the hard rock stuff not i'm like the dave matthews john mayer guy right but but my daughter is she wants Eddie to like slash <laughs> is oh, she learning it like you did like her no i got her lessons okay i got her okay. lessons to learn proper 
technique first and then mm -hmm. if she wants to continue with lessons great but then if she wants to you know learn off of youtube or however but but um she she's playing it every single day and getting better oh you 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 guys have some cool kids especially rafi's <laughs> kid for puking on the piano that that to me that's outstanding all right well I, I, and again, I wish we had another hour, but um, thank you all. This was fantastic. Uh, any closing statements you want to offer, Matt? You want to put a capstone on music? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I've loved music for years and years, and I, I, I was fortunate to get asked to, to be a producer for a while. I, I did it kicking and screaming, but I really loved it and, and enjoyed it, and it's given me much bigger appreciation for it. And so, yeah, if you have any interest in it at all, I learned music back in the days before YouTube and uh, the internet was a thing. Get on YouTube, just look up lessons, piano, guitar, drums, bass, whatever instrument that you're interested in playing. I mean, there are so many free tutorials out there. Pick up a, you know, your kid, a, a recorder, you know, for, they, 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 they taught all of our kids to play the recorder flute um, in school. Uh, my son ended up taking French horn. You know, uh, th there's just so many avenues to learn it, uh, or even just basic music structure, um, stuff like, the, you know, I mentioned MIDI. Creating music in your basement on your laptop, on your phone is so easy nowadays. You don't even have to know how to play anything. You can you can stream together notes uh, using software and create an orchestral piece or create a dubstep piece or create a piece of techno or create a piece of just anything. It's all about the creativity and about the love for it. So, uh, yeah, if you have any kind of an interest in it, just start exploring because there's so many resources out there. Awesome. Joey. Yeah. The last Matt, Matt struck something real quick. If I can throw in here, our oldest who is, does not want to play a physical instrument for Christmas. He got a MIDI synthesizer to plug into his computer and he is starting to learn how to just generate. I don't want to use the word noise, but whatever he's trying to compose on that. So Matt's right. Anyone, you don't have to pick up a, a, a saxophone or a, a bass guitar. You can you can create and generate music, you know, uh, digitally now on computers. So so do it. Yeah, get into it. And Rafi. No, I learned a lot today. It's it's great. Thank you, you two, for your advice on how to get your kids into music. I'm very interested, and I uh, I learned something. Very cool. All right. Um, with that, uh, my final word is: if if enough people donate enough money to uh, buy us a buy me a coffee on our website, uh, um, I'll go and get an oboe because I just like saying <laughs> oboe. Oboe. Until next time, I'm Ben Maliso. I'm Matt Snotty. I'm Rafael Fiedler. I'm Joey Police. Catch us again next week for another episode of the Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec. Hey there, listener. Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rofty, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized. Interested in training for CISSP, CCSP, CISM, SSCP, CCSK, boy, that's a lot of letters, or other InfoSec certifications, Go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com. That's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A-C-I-S-S-P.com. We are on Discord. Engage with us. 
by searching for the channel Wannabea CISSP. Feedback or questions on what we discuss? Send a good old-fashioned email to ben at benmaliso.com. You may hear a shout-out or your feedback on a future show. We're all working professionals in the InfoSec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster, downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F-I-N-G dot I-O. Support Joey's company, Blue Edge Networks, at blueedgenetworks.com, and listen to Joey's podcast called Topic of Choice at topicofchoice.com. Join us on Reddit at slash r slash ssoi underscore fans. All opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and for entertainment purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies, affiliates, employers, guests, or even each other. No advice given here should be followed without consulting with a professional for any specific InfoSec situation you may experience.